Cider sources may not be suitable for some listeners. The show contains strong language, mature content, and graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. What happened with your windshield sticker? Uh, oh, I still have to file the appeal on that. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I have a new windshield, finally. Oh, good. After, I'm, you know, that's the thing I'm still trying to figure out. They gave me a ticket for not having a sticker, but didn't give me a ticket for, like, 33% of my windshield being cracked. <laughs> Can they do that, though, if it's not obstructing your vision? Yes. In accordance with state law, yes. And that, like, that's the basis of my appeal with the village sticker. Because county ordinance says that it can't obstruct your view, but state ordinance says that nothing, period, can be on your windshield. doesn't matter if it obstructs your view or not. So, okay. we'll see what happens. I'm about to eat the $343 it cost. <laughs> I was arguing with uh, my boyfriend this morning. Not a real argument, but... Uh... I was like, I got to get going. I have to get to Schaumburg. It's like an hour away from me. He's like, what are you doing this for again? It's because we're recording a podcast episode. And like, he's in the past always yelled at me for not having any hobbies. He, <laughs> he always says that reading and walking alone by yourself at night are not hobbies. <laughs> it's just a Those are absolutely like, hobbies. I know. But he doesn't think that's an actual hobby. So I'm like, I got to go do this. He's like, wait, do you even get paid for doing this? I said, no, and neither does Shelby. Wait, wait, wait. Yes, you do. I have money. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, remember? I was like, you told me to get a hobby. This is a hobby. <laughs> what are you complaining about? Right? Hobbies cost money until they make you money. Right. Well, that's what one of my friends said. She goes, so are you guys going to get, like, rich off this? I said, the only way to get rich off this is, like, if we got a million followers and started having ads. Okay. I'm ready whenever you are. <laughs> We always have to have the pre-conversation before the actual conversation. Yes, because neither of us can read and neither of us can speak. I can read very well. It's the well when you're not speaking it. Yeah. 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 And so I read through, fuck, three hundred and some pages of Sun Myung Moon's book. But on that note, hello again, every Jesus Christ. Do you want me to do the first part? Yeah, let's just switch off with the intros. It's your turn this time. Okay, so, um... Boop. <laughs> you can't go boop. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Cite Your Sources podcast, a show for those who enjoy mostly coherent conversations about the details behind strange happenings, conspiracy theories, and all of the weird offbeat topics that haunt your mind when you're alone. I am your host, Charlie. And I'm your host, Shelby. And if you listen to last week's episode all the way through to the end, then you know that this week, Charlie and I are going to be covering the Unification Church, or the moniker they're better known by, the Moonies. So, born in 1920 and raised Presbyterian, Sun Myung Moon was excommunicated from the church for heresy. Moon then went on to preach his own beliefs after a vision stating that he was to vision... Ah, I'm sorry. After a vision stating that he was to finish Jesus' work. 
1954, Moon created the Unification Church, or like I said, it's otherwise known by the Moonies. Uh, the Moonies is actually considered a slur, but I'm going to say it a lot through the episode because that's, that's what they're called. Uh, his religious following uh, that would explode soon after would end up being officially classified as a cult. From the church's inception to becoming uh, known for its mass wedding ceremonies, from purchasing a 2,500-room hotel that was once ruled the, quote, largest inn on earth, to owning multiple major news sources, and being crowned by a former Illinois politician, join us both in peering into the utterly fascinating life of Sun Myung Moon, his creation of the Unification Church, and how everything came to an end. So, that's the show. That's all we got. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> um, obviously, we're kidding. There's we we have a fuck ton to go through. There is so much that we found about this guy. Uh, so most of this week's episode is actually going to be based on information from Sun Myung Moon's book itself, uh, and that book is called "As a Peace Loving Global Citizen." We're also going to throw. Uh, we also used a few other sources to either fill in gaps or verify information. Uh, also, I have to give a shout-out to Doc Phil for allowing me to use his office to record this episode. So thank you, Doc Phil, and you'll hear this episode when it comes out. Without further ado, let's kick this pig. So the Unification Church is the common name for their organization, but if you want to get really fancy, then you can refer to them by their official title of Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity. You can say that five times fast. Let me know. Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity. Holy Stop. Spirit Association. <laughs> so actually, that was their official title originally, but they have since changed their name to the Family Federation for <laughs> World Peace and Unification. Uh, so, like, <laughs> <laughs> so like Shelby mentioned, the founder, Sun Myung Moon, was excommunicated from the Presbyterian Church for heresy, and everything I researched advised that the heresy he committed was his belief and teaching of what he called the divine principle. So these teachings of the divine principle include, one, that God is all-powerful and all-knowing, but is humanized, because he cannot be happy and complete without the reciprocal love of his children. Um, second part of that principle is that God's original plan was that all men and women are to be sons and daughters of God, just as Jesus was God's son. So for example, divine, but not God. And that if Adam and Eve had not fallen, all men and women would have been of the same perfection as Jesus. Third part is that all men and women should become messiahs, so persons who are one in mind and body with God, and that um, for all of God's providential work in history is to establish one God-centered family, and that the family is the foothold that will turn the world around. Uh, first of all, God pushed Adam and Eve. That's how they fell. Like, take that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also found a little tidbit stating that, quote, in the unification tradition, romantic liaisons are forbidden until the members are deemed by Mr. Moon to be spiritually ready to be matched at a huge gathering where he points future spouses out to one another. Sounds like this is why they held the mass wedding ceremonies, which would uh, soon become the subject of major controversy uh, against the church. And according to the church's belief system, quote, the couples are chosen by the church because romantic love leads to sexual promiscuity, mismatched couples, and dysfunctional societies. 
I don't think he was that far off. <laughs> <laughs> but he also didn't quite live by those rules himself. Um, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but they're like... This episode is definitely painted in a much different way. <laughs> <laughs> so, while the group's core beliefs are a great topic, the man himself is even more fascinating. Uh, dude, everything I kept coming across during my cursory research was fascinating. And I, like, I was even talking to you about it. At, like, sitting at my desk at work, just like randomly searching things, I, I couldn't stop myself from laughing. Yeah. That, like just like I'd find one thing and then that would lead to another thing and then I found out a former Illinois Democrat crowned him in Washington DC. <laughs> the man lived a life. I'm going to say that many times throughout the episode. Yeah. I mean Moon has been the subject of so many controversies including tax fraud, surprise, and the strict expectations that he held for his members which he himself did not always adhere to. Another surprise, uh, Moon was also actually arrested several different times over the course of his life, twice for evangelical and anti-communist activities in the 40s. I support that one. I do too. <laughs> and once for draft evasion in the 1950s, a charge which his followers say was uh, trumped up. Uh, I, I am inclined to believe that that one actually was trumped up because at least according to him, the quote draft dodging would have happened while he was imprisoned on other charges, but that's if the timeline actually adds up. Right. Um, the group also suffered a setback in the 1990s when the Om Shinriko subway attack happened in Japan. Throwback to our previous episode, which you should listen to. And we're going to do an episode on Om Shinrikyo and uh, Shiko Asahara, I think. is his, Shino Asahara. That's that's the founder's name. You pronounced that so much better than I did. <laughs> um, yeah, because so I'm that... a weeb. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a waifu? No, no, I don't have a waifu. Oh, not yet. I th I think weeaboos have waifus. A weeb is just like someone that watches anime and enjoys white rice. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Please send all emails to 1234 at gmail.com for any corrections. <laughs> um, so going back to what Charlie was saying, uh, we're definitely going to touch on all that, plus much more because a lot of it is intertwined with his time as leader of the church. Um, I do want to take it all the way back to the beginning, though, because everything about Sun Myung Moon and the Unification Church slash the Moonies was a roller coaster ride of constant, oh my gods, and no fucking ways. <laughs> the story of this man is nothing short of fascinating. So Moon was born in 1920 uh, to a family of farmers with seven other children in what is now North Korea, but at the time was under Japanese rule. So those eight kids, including Sun Myung Moon, were the survivors of the 13 total children that Moon's mother gave birth to. Someone got busy. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's nothing else to do on the rice patties, so. Oh, God. <laughs> So, straight out of the gate, Moon was faced with challenges because uh, he was subjected to hostility by Japanese rulers for even following Presbyterian beliefs. But before becoming Presbyterian, uh, his family apparently practiced Confucianist beliefs until finally converting to Christianity and joining a Presbyterian church around the time that Moon was 10. Uh, let's not forget, though, folks, he was born in North freaking Korea. Well, I mean, it'd be North Korea 28 years later, but same difference. They're all a bunch of commies. 
Growing up in Japanese-ruled Korea and being oppressed in his own country may have actually done some good for Moon uh, because he became frustrated by his surroundings and the injustices he saw happening around him when he was younger. This caused him to become sympathetic toward all living things and was troubled by, quote, man's inability to create a just and loving world, end quote. I th honestly, I think peace is a farce or a fallacy, whatever the word is, but... Yeah, I don't think it's really... It, it's, it's inachievable. So here's one of the cool things that happened. Moon alleges that at the age of either 15 or 16, depending on the source, uh, one Easter morning, Jesus came to him in a vision and asked him to complete his unfinished work as Messiah, which is to bring the kingdom of God to mankind and peace on earth. My child, you must listen to me now. Bring your mother and father to the rice paddies. They need to fuck more. You're going to edit that out. We need more children. <laughs> <laughs> so, small spoiler. Uh, it's going to involve a lot, and I mean a fucking lot, of arranged marriages, which uh, does fall in line with some of the complex doctrines that uh, Moon developed after studying the Bible and other religious teachings. Um, but, you know, Moon was a complicated guy, you know? Who isn't? I mean, he... It's probably schizophrenic if he's got Jesus coming down and talking to him. <laughs> anyway, continuing on. <coughs> Sun would eventually go on to study electrical engineering at Waseda University in Japan in 1941. Uh, in his book, I mentioned previously, uh, titled As a Peace-Loving Global Citizen, Moon writes, quote, I chose electrical engineering because I felt I could not establish a new religious philosophy without knowing modern engineering, end quote. So... I'm not exactly sure what the correlation is, but it's fantastic that he thought he needed to know engineering to establish a new religious uh, philosophy. And during his time at Waseda, Moon became involved in, quote-unquote, underground student activities, which I will get to in a moment. And this is where I'm a little bit unsure of the actual timeline, because a lot of the sources I found while researching said that Moon married his first wife, Seonggil Choi, on April 28th of 1945, but in his book, he wrote that they held their ceremony on May 4th of 1944 after being delayed due to his future and father-in-law's death. Uh, and then there's no mention of the April date. So that being said, I'm going to say that he and Sion got married in May of 44 because that's what the book dictates. So in regards to the quote-unquote underground student activities I previously mentioned, uh, Moon was arrested and tortured for his involvement with the Communist Party members in the Korean independence movement against Imperial Japan, given what he writes in his book. This is where things get pretty dark, and I found myself getting chills while reading it. Of this torture, Moon writes in his book, quote, They beat me with a table and broke all four of its legs against my body, but I refused to give them the names of the people who had worked with me in Japan. The police stomped on me mercilessly with their spiked military boots until my body was as limp as if I were dead. Then they hung me from the ceiling and swung me back and forth, like a slab of meat hanging in a butcher shop. I swung this way and that as they punished me, I'm sorry, as they pushed me with a stick. Soon blood filled my mouth and began dripping onto the cement floor below me. Each time I lost consciousness, they would pour a bucket of water over me. When I regained consciousness, they would torture. the torture would begin again. They held my nose and stuck the spout of a tea kettle into my mouth, forcing me to swallow water. 
When my stomach would become bloated with water, they laid me face up on the floor, looking like a frog, and began stomping on my abdomen with their military boots. The water would be forced up my esophagus, and I would vomit until everything turned black. On the days after I had been tortured, uh, I'm sorry, on the days after I had been tortured this way, my esophagus felt as though it was on fire. The pain was so great I could not bear to swallow a single mouthful of soup. I had no energy and would just lie down on the floor, lie face down on the floor, completely unable to move. So Moon was trying to fight the man and fight the commies. And I can't even be remotely upset about that. That's fantastic. Yeah, and Moon does go on to write, um, finally on August 15th, 1945, Korea was liberated from Japan, and this was the day that every Korean had been waiting for. It was a day of tremendous emotion. I could not join in the festivities, however. Although liberated from Japanese rule, our homeland was cut in two at the 38th parallel. In the North, a communist regime that denied the existence of God came to power. End quote. And that regime would turn into uh, Kim Jong Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's, that's China. That's Xi Jinping poo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. They're both portly fellas. So finally, all, after all of that uh, Moon had endured, in 1946, Moon and Choi had their first son, uh, Sung Jin Moon. But as a history of behavior would, uh, would have it, Moon also, you guessed it, got arrested again after making ministers of more established churches jealous of his large congregations. Moon says he was, quote, charged with coming from the South for the purpose of espionage and imprisoned in the Daedong security station. He was falsely accused of being sent to the North by South Korean President uh, Syngman Rhee, I think is how you say it, as part of an attempt to take over the North, end quote. So apparently this guy's an international spy, too. Um, a Soviet interrogator ended up getting involved. Uh, in this case, but Moon was finally found not guilty after three months because they couldn't establish that any crime had actually been committed. He just pissed off some ministers. <laughs> it's like that inside edition lady going up to the guy like, you just bought a multi-million dollar jet and there's people starving. Like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> <laughs> you, you said you don't want to get on a plane with demons. Don't you dare say I said that. If anybody wants to check it out, just look up. Uh, I think it's Richard something inside edition. It's it's pretty entertaining to watch. But continuing on with Sun Myung Moon, Sun Myung Moon in 1948, Moon was taken, uh, taken in again by communist authorities on charges of being a spy and for disturbing the social order because you, know, you can't piss off the religious folk. After standing trial on April 7th, Moon was sentenced to five years, serving first at Pyongyang Prison, and was moved to, I think, Hyungnam Prison three months later. Uh, Hyungnam, Hyungnam, something. Moon would finally escape prison in 1950 after the U.S. and U.N. forces intervened in the Korean War, saying, quote, At around 2 o'clock in the morning on October 14, 1950, I walked calmly out of Hyungnam Prison with dignity. Yay, Moon escaped. Woo! Moon would continue on with his religious preachings and congregations, never losing faith or determination. After facing further extreme prosecution in 1953, Moon and his followers would eventually move their congregation from Busan to Daegu, Daegu, something. I don't know how to... uh, Daegu? Daegu. Daegu. From Busan to Daegu, then eventually to a house in Seoul's Bukakdong neighborhood, 
and would hang a sign that read, quote, Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where you finally get into the Unification Church, a.k.a. the Moonies. Dun, dun, dun. That sounded very ominous. Thank you, Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy was an international spy, so. Yeah, Austin <laughs> Powers over here. <laughs> so let's Lost move... in Powers is yeah. what I <laughs> So let's move forward a little bit um, over to the era of the 1960s and 1970s. In 1959, Moon made plans to export his ideas outside of Korea and Japan and had missionaries travel to several large cities in the United States, with the majority settling in the state of California. Also, just six short years after Moon founded the Unification Church, the first group wedding was held, and it was known officially as a, quote, blessing ceremony. There were 36 couples that participated, and even though these ceremonies aren't official weddings, couples still had to marry because of the laws in their country. The ceremony was to confirm the couple's commitment to the church and to each other, even though in many cases the couples had never met prior to the ceremony. <laughs> hey, romantic love is evil. Yeah. Like, surprise! Here's your husband behind the curtain. <laughs> I pick door number four. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So these ceremonies would continue on being held every uh, like two or three years. I also found that in 65, uh, 1965, Moon himself traveled to the U.S., and established a quote-unquote holy site in each of the 48 contiguous United States. For those of you who don't know, that means all of the states minus Alaska and Hawaii. Uh, he would bury dirt and stones from Korea at each site to establish a place of meditation and prayers for peace. By 1973, the religious group had at least a small presence in all 50 states. Woo! <laughs> Progress. Moon eventually moved to the United States in 1971, although he remained a citizen of the uh, Republic of Korea. It was in the 1970s that he gave a series of public speeches in the United States, including one in Madison Square Garden in 1974, two in 1976 in Yankee Stadium, and one on the grounds of the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C., where he spoke on God's hope for America to some 300,000 people. I was... I know... I was actually able to find a copy of that 1976 speech, and much of the speech is akin to an American evangelical minister's train of thought, but I did take down a few different excerpts in which he outlines his church's mission. Um, this does get a little bit lengthy, but I did want the listeners to hear how he spoke um, to the public and the types of things that he believed in. Are you going to do an accent? Please do an accent. I will not. <laughs> I need a method actor in here so we can have accents. <laughs> Just imagine I am a middle-aged, portly, <laughs> yes. Korean, Korean man. man coming to America. Oh, <sighs> welcome. God. <laughs> Moon talks about freeing the enslaved communist world. And again, this is going back to that... Um, speech in 1976 and he advised the crowd that quote our task is to build one world under god and to do this christianity of the world must unite she must undergo a drastic reform and achieve an ecumenical and an interreligious unity for this we need a spiritual revolution we need a new ideology and this new ideology must incorporate oriental philosophy uniting the cultures of the east and west so whoa 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 
Are you telling me Moon is trying to make people culturally appropriate his culture? Shut up, Shelby. No, 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 no. You're getting a lot of trouble for that these days. I'm telling the millennials and Gen Z. Well, that... he also said <laughs> Oriental, which is a no-no word now. <gasps> Demonetized. He said it. He said it. Demonetized. I'm quoting him. <laughs> nope, nope. You said it. Demonetized. <laughs> Should have bleeped it out. <laughs> But obviously it's not cultural appropriation because Moon knew and understood that people have different cultures and can learn and grow from one another. Or at least that was his vision. So um, going back again to Moon's speech, he goes on to say, this new ideology will also be capable of unifying all the existing religions and ideologies of the world. Therefore, it has come in the form of a new religious or spiritual movement. The unification church movement has been created by God to fulfill that mission. The spiritual movement must first succeed here in America in order to spread throughout the world. The new ideology which the unification church brings in is Godism, an absolutely God-centered ideology. It has the power to awaken America, and it has the power to raise the model of the ideal nation of God upon this land. With that done, the rest of the world will follow America's example and will build the kingdom of God upon their respective lands. Then we shall all truly become brothers and sisters under one Father, God. This will be a world of love, a world of happiness. Our planet will be one home, and mankind will be one family. God's will, his long-cherished desire from the beginning of time, will finally be, be fulfilled. This will be the eternal, ideal world of God. Indeed, it will be the kingdom of God on earth. We will build it with our hands. This is our supreme mission. It is truly our God-given, sacred mission. God is crying out to the world, and we are his instruments. The world must respond to his call, listen to God's commandment, initiate a courageous march towards the kingdom of God on earth. Whatever the difficulty, let it not stop us. Our march is God's, and it will go on to the end. End quote. So, uh, yeah, any thoughts on all of that, Shelby? First of all, God sounds like a dick. <laughs> you fascist piece of shit. <laughs> Follow my image or perish. <laughs> but anyway, like, in regards to, like, the first movement, uh, I'm sorry, the movement first succeeding in America... In true American fashion, fuck yeah, dude! Even Moon understood that America's the shit, and if anything good is to start, it needs to start in good old U.S. fucking A. Because what does America do? We push our values and ideals onto every other nation, man. God. <laughs> fuck cultural relativity. Fuck cultural diversity. Everyone needs to follow the doctrine of one Sun Myung. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> To our dear listeners, this is an informational podcast. This is not a call to join the Unification Church. Oh, yes, yes. PSA, do nor not. To, nor to subscribe to any of Shelby's horrible, horrible ideals. And Rand. You're allowed to have a wrong opinion. That's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Everyone's entitled to their wrong opinions. Anywho... Everyone needs to follow the doctrine of Sung Myung Moon. How do we get people to do that? Make it successful in America. Everything looks or looked up to America at the time because we're fucking rock stars, dude. And goes right in line with Moon saying, you know, if America does it, other people are going to follow suit because hashtag still the greatest nation on earth. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, not up for debate. <laughs> I do want to note that it was also during the 1970s that the Unification Church became one of the targets of the anti-cult movement that was quickly growing in the United States at that time. So I, I, I know I've heard of it. Uh, I don't recall exactly what happened during the 70s or just prior that ignited the flame of the anti-cult movement because the satanic panic was in the 80s. Um, but I do somewhat remember the pushback against cults at that time. I, did, I don't remember what the, the catalyst was. Uh, the anti-cult movement is interesting and definitely a topic that I think would be great for a future episode. They are technically defined as a social movement group, but they don't appear to have any kind of organizational hierarchy or structure. Great. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> instead they're composed of really any number of individuals or organizations that are explicitly working against what they classify as new religious movements. So, and also they actually participate in deprogramming programs. So that part I support, but all the rest, they sound akin to Antifa, but with like an actual legitimate goal in mind. So are you trying to say that Antifa is not a legitimate organization? Um, I'm not trying, I am. (laughs) (laughs) They're a bunch of angsty teens and young adults who use fascist tactics to stop fascism because, you know, good job. A plus logic, you guys. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, Another point of interest is that when then-President Richard Nixon was being investigated and pressured to resign during the Watergate scandal, Moon's followers prayed and abstained from food for three days in front of the United States Capitol building, and they urged people to, quote, forgive, love, and unite. Fuck yeah, dude, get that flu. (laughs) (laughs) Nixon uh, actually expressed appreciation for the church's sentiments and publicly thanked them for their support. So... I'm, like, I'm wondering, did, like, at this point, because that was, when did, you said it was in the 70s still? Yes. Um, did they have any, like, financial influence or influence in general? Or were they still, like, kind of building up? I don't believe they had any profound influence at this point. But this publicity stunt, if that's indeed what it was, definitely threw them into the public eye. Okay. Because I know in 76, uh, three years after Moon gained permanent resident status in the U.S., they ended up purchasing the New Yorker Hotel, uh, which is kind of a fascinating story if you want to get into that real quick. Yeah, please do. <laughs> so, from an, uh, from an article in The Observer, the New Yorker Hotel originally opened in January of 1930 and quickly became a hub for actors, politicians, athletes, mobsters, and the like. However, as history dictates, eventually an era would pass and a new one would emerge. In the early 70s, Times were swiftly changing in New York City, and unfortunately, the New Yorker Hotel's luster and prestige would fall victim to these changes. In 1972, after facing financial hardships, ownership changes, and a decaying city, because, you know, it's New York, uh, the New Yorker Hotel would eventually close its doors for good. That is, until the French Polytechnic Institute purchased the hotel with the intention of turning it into a hospital. A damn big hospital, nonetheless. Um, Remember... 2,500 rooms spanning over 43 floors, all turned into a hospital. Uh, However, this would prove fruitless, and the French Polytechnic Institute would sell the New Yorker, completely empty, to the Moonies in 1976 for a lump sum of $5 million, which is the equivalent of just over $22.5 million in today's money. Fuck. Um, Trump should have bought it. (laughs) So... 
honestly, that honestly that kind of seems like a steal for prime real estate. Um, and like it's dude, it's twenty five hundred rooms across forty three floors. It's a it's a structure. It's part of the skyline. Uh, the Moonies would eventually rename it to the World Mission Center and would use the hotel for housing and administrative uh, administration purposes. So it was basically a big dorm room for all the Moonies. Um, purchasing the New Yorker was also done in an effort to, quote, save New York from itself. Uh, a reference back to the speech that Charlie found, Moon addressed a half-full Yankee stadium in June of 76, saying that, quote, the world has lost faith in America, and New York has become a jungle of immorality and depravity, end quote. Hey, romantic love, sexual promiscuity, dysfunctional societies, Moon had it right. <laughs> Do they so, actually still own that building? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they still hold... So. I, I, I am going to get to it a little bit later, but just all of the conglomerates that the unification movement has under its umbrella is, I think Moon might be part of the shadow government <laughs> now that like it just clicked. <laughs> he owns way too much. Um, but it, in regards to the whole world losing faith in America and New York becoming a jungle of immor- immorality and depravity, I can only imagine how well that sat with the people in New York. Yeah. Like, hey, fuck you, guy. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, however, the Moonies uh, now had an establishment and a place to call, quote unquote, home. And Reverend Moon would, oh yeah, by this time he was called Reverend Moon. Reverend Moon, God, I can't talk. Uh, he would continue his preachings and mass wedding ceremonies. Then the 1980s hit, and a whole bunch of shit happened, and it all hit the fan. So, 1982. People are walking, people are talking, people are doing lots of cocaine. Because it's the 80s. But, Unification Church... Uh, would not be doing all that. They would hold another mass wedding ceremony at Madison Square Garden. And uh, uh, at this ceremony, there were upwards of 2,000 couples that attended. Of these couples were Jonathan and Debbie Gullery, who in 1992 did an interview with the New York Times. Uh, Celebrating their 10-year anniversary, the couple uh, have grown together and settled down, as has the Unification Church, according to them. They have three children who at the time were seven, four, and two. So they're like current year plus 27. Uh, Mrs. Gullery had uh, this to say in the interview, quote, things change in 10 years. Our church has changed. We've changed. Our family has changed. With our neighbors, we didn't put a sign out and say, here we are. We're the neighborhood Moonies. But they all have kids. And after they got to know us, it was okay. The last couple of years have been fairly low-key, end quote. A couple of years later, Moon would experience some hardship after being indicted on a number of charges. Um, uh, also in 1982, the church founded the Washington Times, and that was done on May 17th, and was owned until 2010 by News World Communications, an international media conglomerate founded by Moon. And like, fuck, dude, this guy owns so much. Um, but it's, uh, currently owned by Operations Holding, which, you guessed it, is also owned by the goddamn Unification Movement. (laughs) (laughs) They, they, it never changed ownership. They just changed the name. (laughs) 
the Washington Times is, uh, I think they get attacked for being quote unquote far right, like borderline conspiracy. But I mean, I've used sources from the Washington Times, so. I can't even keep track of who is considered what field anymore. Uh, yeah, because they're all just full of shit anyways. Basically. I, I trust the Associated Press. That's about it. Mm. Um, and actually, also in the 80s, Moon did a short stint in prison, 13 months to be exact, when he was convicted of one count of conspiracy for such things as making false statements to government officials and three counts of willfully filing uh, false federal income tax returns. Oh, I don't understand what you say. What you saying? We're going to edit that out. <laughs> you can't make false statements if you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> Moon spent his sentence at a correctional center in Danbury, Connecticut, and it was during this time that the case was protested by various public figures as selective prosecution and a threat to religious freedom. He was originally sentenced to 18 months, but only served 13 due to his good behavior while incarcerated. I come to America to preach Christianity. You throw me in jail? What the hell? The fuck? (laughs) That's going to be edited out. You saying this is going to be edited out is what's going to be edited out. God, I did not agree to be part of a racist podcast. Hey, it's not racist. It's just stereotypical. There is a difference. Oh, my God. Don't worry. I've been putting flags all over the place. Okay. (laughs) Red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) So on top of that, uh, I was reading that for about a month and a half of that 13-month sentence, Moon was in a halfway house uh, where he was allowed to conduct... Uh, conduct the day-to-day dealings of the church so yes and no once he served the 13 months in prison he was released to a halfway house for a brief while before he was allowed to return to his home oh i gotcha see but like my brain was starting to melt with everything uh I, like I, I just there is i could we could fill the hoover dam with how much information there is on this guy um uh, yeah, like I, I just like, like I said, my brain melted. I had to keep going back, adding stuff, changing stuff, uh, editing stuff. It's there's just so much to this guy's life, and it's awesome. But Jesus, I know the whole affair was pretty wild. So the prosecution's entire case was that Moon failed to declare as income and pay taxes on $112,000 in earned interest in a Chase bank account, as well as on the receipt of $50,000 of corporate stock. Jesus, what was the fucking interest rate back then? I know. <laughs> well, I don't even know if it was the interest rate. I mean, how much money was in that account? Well, that's that's the thing. If it was $112,000 in earned interest, right. what, like, what do you... And the FDIC only insures us for a quarter million. <laughs> We're going to talk about this in a JFK episode because that guy did some shit. Yeah, he did. Um, Going back to the court case. So the prosecution declared that both the money and stock were his personal property and therefore should have been filed as income and the associated taxes paid. Moon's defense stated that this was not personal income and instead was being held on behalf of the church. Moon's defense was that he doesn't understand or speak English. (laughs) Me no speaking to English. There were, you know, quite a few groups and public figures who spoke out against the charges being leveled at Moon, and one notable person uh, was the popular televangelist Jerry Falwell, 
So Falwell, along with other religious leaders, petitioned the United States government to drop the charges against Moon. Uh, speaking of Falwell, uh, he and Reverend uh, Joseph Lowry, Lowry, whatever, uh, who is president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, actually called on President Reagan directly to pardon Moon on the basis that government was encroaching too much on religious activities. Yep, exactly. So um, Sounds about right for the Fed. Yeah. <laughs> I did find this uh, quote. So Jeremiah <laughs> S. Gutman, president of the New York Civil Liberties Union. Hell yeah, man. Jeremiah Gutman. <laughs> Good New York guy. He called the prosecution, quote, an indefensible intrusion in private religious affairs. The New York Times and the Washington Post, which have both been critical of Moon, expressed concern about the government's prosecution of him and the consequences it might have for other religious groups, end quote. So I'm inserting a personal opinion here. Aside from churches having tax-exempt status, which I think is pure BS, to me this— Wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. To me, this does appear to be politically motivated, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I'm on Moon's side on this one. I came across a quote from a subcommittee's research findings, which was actually led by a former U.S. Senator Orrin Hatch, which stated, quote, We accused a newcomer to our shores of criminal and intentional wrongdoing for conduct commonly engaged in by a large percentage of our own religious leaders, namely the holding of church funds and bank accounts in their own names. Catholic priests do it, Baptist ministers do it, and so did Sun Myung Moon. No matter how we view it, it remains a fact that we charged a non-English-speaking alien with criminal tax evasion on the first tax returns he filed in this country. It appears that we didn't give him a fair chance to understand our laws. We didn't seek a civil penalty as an initial means of redress. We didn't give him the benefit of any doubt. Rather, we took a novel theory of tax liability of less than $10,000 and turned it into a guilty verdict and 18 months in a federal prison. I do feel strongly, after my subcommittee has carefully and objectively reviewed this case from both sides, that injustice rather than justice has been served. The Moon case sends a strong signal that if one's views are unpopular enough, this country will find a way not to tolerate, but to convict. I don't believe that you or I or anyone else, no matter how innocent, could realistically prevail against the combined forces of our Justice Department and Judicial Branch in a case such as Reverend Moon's. End quote. That is one of the best things I have heard from a senator in a long time. I'm just flabbergasted because history is repeating itself. Mm-hmm. Um, where, wait, where did it go? Uh, no matter how in it, uh, da, 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 it was something about the the intolerance. It's oh, the, yeah. They'll the, find a way not to tolerate, but to connect. right, right. That current year plus four. Mm-hmm. Welcome to 2019, everybody. Where. <laughs> Your opinions don't have to be tolerated, and if someone dislikes them enough, they will try to get you thrown in prison. <laughs> and that's not a fucking joke. You can't get doxxed if you dox yourself first. True. <laughs> um, there was another notable, actually a few notable events um, during the 80s. Uh, one of those being the death of Moon's second son, Hyung Jin, uh, in December of 1983 as the result of a car accident. Uh, according to a report, I'm sorry, the report, a truck was speeding uh, a truck was speeding as it came down a hill, and as the truck attempted to brake, it swerved in oncoming traffic where Hyung was. He veered to the right, saving uh, the two friends that were in the car with him, causing him to take the brunt of the impact. 
apparently Moon also hosted... So, I'm sorry, so that was obviously a horrible, tragic accident. But we've, we've got some footnotes on that later on. <coughs> um, another thing, uh, just a month prior to his second son's accident, Moon also hosted the ICUS, which is the International Conference on the Unity of the Sciences. Um, and that was one of 21 annual ICUS conferences that Moon would host. And the ICUS focuses on the relationship between science and absolute values. Uh, I'm assuming that's something religious, like the absolute values part. And honestly, if that is, I fully support it. I think we need more science looking into the mystical aspects of life, but you know, that's just me. Uh, lastly, in 1984, Moon and the church established the Universal Ballet, which is one of only four professional ballet companies in South Korea. And they actually just had new dancer auditions for the 2020 season in July of 2019. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to find uh, any information regarding who was added to the program or any upcoming shows. Mm -hmm. I, they, it looks like they perform maybe like four or five times a year. I wonder if they only perform for like church events. Um, I think I might get into it later. I don't recall off the top of my head, but I know there was one performance that they did in Russia. Okay. With like for like a bunch of diplomats and uh, I think President Gorbachev. That's who was in office at the time. Okay. Actually, yeah, that name sounds familiar. I am. I am going to get into that. Speaking of Gorbachev, I could hear myself just fine. Uh, I'm I'm looking at this, and it's just, if you want to take a peek, it's very flat. Oh, and no. <laughs> the whole time I've been talking? Oh, God. I got I to bump the volume on your track. Okay. I'm not going to go on with what I was going to say, because I can't even remember. <laughs> Welcome to the world of professional podcasting, everybody. <laughs> Oh, God, this is going to take me a while to edit. Yep. <laughs> but anyways, right. we were talking about Gorbachev. Yeah, Gorbachev. So, completely unrelated, but everybody should watch the um, TV series Chernobyl on HBO. See, I keep coming across it, but I've never actually clicked on it. I didn't think I was going to like it. It did start out very slow, I want to say, the first, um, the first and second episode, and then it just got... Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, hey, if it gets factual, good, then it gets good. Pretty factual from everything that I researched on it. Anyway, going back to Moon. <laughs> yes. So, we're done with the 80s. Let's move on to the 1990s. Yeah. So, the year of our Lord. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't every single one of them the year of our yeah, Lord? Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> In 1994, the organization made a big change. On the 40th anniversary of the group's founding, Moon declared that the group would no longer be referred to as the Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity, <laughs> but would now be called the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. Moon wanted his church to organize and collaborate with members of other religious organizations, especially in the areas of sexual morality and issues regarding relationships between different religions, races, and the like. I wonder what Moon would think about the current culture and their obsession with eating ass. <laughs> oh, um, probably not very favorably. Yeah. <laughs> you gross. That's nasty. God. 
Um, I do kind of like the name change, even though it's still a mouthful. But as far as the areas of relationships between different religions, races, and the likes, is Moon turning racist on us? Because is, is he, like, looking out to these wedding crowds and thinking, like, oh, no, what have I done? No, he was working towards reconciliation between different groups of people. Uh, okay. I'm really starting to wonder why they're classified as a cult. Uh, all they're, Sounds like all they're trying to do is have massive, uh, mass wedding ceremonies with thousands of people and kind of live a life of peace. No murder, no kidnapping, no mind control. Like, you know, what the hell, dude? There was mind control. We'll get into that Oh, later. yeah. Yeah, no, there's... But as far as I I'm know, sorry, no, We did not no have enough time for this episode. No. <laughs> no kidnapping or murder, though. Sorry to disappoint everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but getting back on track... Uh, prior to the name change and the shift in vision, Moon met uh, Russian President uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. Uh, then in 91, Moon went back to North Korea for a short while. He went to his hometown for the first time in 48 years to find that his mother and most of his siblings had passed away. Sad. Crocodile tears, Moon. Uh, his wife, uh, whichever it was at the time, because I've honestly lost track at this point. I'm pretty sure he had three. Um, you know, great thing for a podcast called Cite Your Sources to Say. <laughs> uh, also established the Awan Charity Organization in Korea in 1994. And the activities included managing a canteen, serving free food to the poor, and supporting low-wage earners, the handicapped, uh, children taking fa- care of families in place of parents, and others. It also provides aid to the North Korean people. Uh, his wife also has, quote, the Women's Federation for World Peace, which he established in 1992, and has branches in 80 in some 80 countries, as in Jesus, and is in general uh, consultative status with the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations as a non-governmental organization. So, one thing about the uh, Women's Federation for World Peace. I didn't find specific details, but I did find out that it was actually a front organization for some shadowy, sketchy shit that the Unification Church was doing in the background. Color me surprised. (laughs) I don't have my crayons. I wish people could see my face right now. (laughs) You don't say. Covert. (laughs) A front. Woo! No! He's only got dozens of companies under the name. Uh, but anyways, all in all, Moon and his family in the church have a fucking history. Uh, one last thing I do want to add is that I think he may have prevented a war from happening because he uh, sent members from the church to Cairo to help ease tensions in the Middle East, at least according to his autobiography. Um, he had direct correspondence with George H.W. Bush, good old Bushy boy, uh, during that time as well, to, quote, avoid war in the Arab world and instead work to realize Saddam Hussein's retreat through diplomatic means. Sounds like he had good intentions at heart, um, but there's the actual, we're, we're going to, we'll get into it eventually. Sorry, I, I got kind of lost when you said George W. Bush. I was thinking of that quote that they always show at the beginning of the Step Brothers movie. Oh, the one that Epstein didn't kill himself? No. <laughs> what? Epstein has nothing to do. Do you know what I'm talking well, about? Well, I actually, I'm saying that just dated the episode. Fuck. It's like, what is the quote from him? It's like, families is where our nation... <coughs> families is where our nation finds hope. Where wings take dream. So, <laughs> thank you, George W. Bush. 
Skipping ahead to 2004, Moon decided to end activities in the U.S. after 34 years and return to the Korean Peninsula, but not before being crowned during a coronation ceremony at the Senate building in D.C. As I mentioned previously, Illinois Democrat Danny K. Davis, quote, wore white gloves and carried a pillow holding one of two ornate gold crowns that were placed on the heads of Mr. Moon and his wife. What the fuck? <laughs> so wait, 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 it gets better. So his wife, Dr. Hak Jahan Moon, uh, at the ceremony. So there's an article from Australia that talks about this. And they state that uh, Sun Myung Moon became the fucking king of America. Real quick. <laughs> Was Danny K. Davis involved with the church at all? Uh, I don't know, but the church does have a lot of political ties throughout history. Oh my God. One of them being with George H.W. Bush uh, and the CIA. Like, there's... I, I I apologize wholeheartedly to the listeners. We had nowhere near enough time to properly prepare this episode. <laughs> like there's, there is so much shit, and I, uh, like all we all I could do, all we could do was give like a quick run through of his life. I feel like our lack of preparedness makes this more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Cause there's there's a little bit of back and forth. It's it's not terribly disjointed, but uh, so anywho. The Unification Church would remain active and highly relevant even to this day. Uh, then, on September 3rd, 2012, in South Korea, Sun Myung Moon passed away at the ripe old age of 92. His legacy still lives on through the church, and let me just say, holy shit, they are rich, they have political influence, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. But I'm about ready to wrap it up. Um... Like, as we you know, were just talking about, it's a little bit out of order, but there were some things that Charlie found after the fact, and that's going to flip the script a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, all of the unusual religious beliefs aside, and, you know, the yada yada about world peace and humans loving each other, even though they've never met before, um, the Unification Church comes across as rather well-meaning and enlightened in regards to their dealings with other people. However, once you look beyond the surface and delve into what former members have to say, we quickly come to the realization that all is not what it seems. Da -dum -dum. No way! <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> What's behind curtain number? I've lost count. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm actually glad you found all this because this entire episode paints him and the church to be phenomenal, upstanding people. Yeah, uh, no. I <laughs> no. I it's a hard no for me, but I came across an interesting interview with a former member of the church named Stephen Hassan, who joined the group in the 70s when he was a college student. Hassan told The Guardian, quote, I was 19, and it was the beginning of the spring semester at college when three women, dressed like students, asked if they could sit at my table in the cafeteria. They were kind of flirting with me, and I thought I was going to get a date. At some point, they said they were part of a student movement trying to make the world a better place. And I said, are you some sort of religious group? And they said no. They also didn't say they were celibate and that Reverend Moon was going to match people and tell them when they could have sex. If they had, I would have said, you're crazy, leave me alone. And I say this to highlight the point about deception. People don't knowingly join cults. End quote. <laughs> the, the, the throwback. Mm -hmm. College student. 
heightened stress, joining a cult. (laughs) (laughs) Hassan also went on to say that, quote, little did I know, within a few weeks, I would be told to drop out of school, donate my bank account, look at Moon as my true parent, and believe my parents were Satan. I didn't even believe in Satan until I met the group. I mean, hey, dude, if if you got some ripe 19, 20-year-olds, just like short skirt, low-cut top, coming up to you sitting at the table at lunch, just just dripping with sex appeal. Anyway. (laughs) uh, Oh, yeah, something that we didn't touch on in this episode is that... Did Moon say we could touch on it? He gives permission. That's true, but he's dead, so... Um, we keep referring to him as Reverend Moon, but his followers actually refer to him and his wife as true parents. Yes. The, That's what the, they call the them. They call parents. them, yeah, they call them father and mother. <coughs> Just wanted to point oh, that out. Faja, may I have sex now? <laughs> <laughs> and I really found this interview with Hassan fascinating because it coincides perfectly with what we discussed on our previous episode regarding the general nature of cults. All that needed to happen was for a single college student to be approached by a group of people who quickly and easily made him a part of their group, and within weeks, they had someone who by his own admission considers himself to be an independent thinker, completely and utterly brainwashed into believing their crazy ideas. Fuck yeah, dude. Like, Moon probably told these girls, like, go have sex with them. Who cares? Just do it. I don't even care. Just get fucking numbers. (laughs) That sounds like the children of God. Hit. No, no, you're getting mixed up because the children of God had the flirty fishing movement, which is exactly know, what they used to do. I, I feel like the uh, the Moonies got down. And chicka, where, where? Once they were married. Hit those quotas. <laughs> um, so here we have someone from one of our target vulnerable populations, a college student. The church members made him feel at ease and like part of a group without revealing anything that may make the target feel put off. But within weeks, they had turned him into someone he didn't even recognize anymore. You know, even to the point of mentally disowning his parents and believing in religious ideals that he previously had put no stock in. Not to mention that he was also now giving them all of his money. That's what happens when you have premarital sex. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hassan also revealed that he was talked into performing a separation period of 40 days, during which time he was not to communicate with any friends or family, which is... Oh, oh, oh. Oh, throwback. Yet yet another classic cult technique where the cult isolates the member from contact with anyone outside of the cult. The church also forced uh, sleep deprivation on Hassan. Touched on that too. (laughs) And it was only when he had gone without sleep for three days and crashed a van that he finally broke and reached out to his family. I also looked into Moon's personal life, and what I found there was pretty troubling. So it appears that Moon's obsession with sexual and spiritual purity went far beyond the rules he mandated to his early members. So when Moon was 40, he married a 17-year-old named Hak Jassan. Moon Jassan. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> um... Moon decided that with this marriage, he would reverse the fall of man by making his young wife perform penance for Eve's sins. And this penance included locking uh, Hak Jassan into a rented apartment for three years, during which time she was forbidden from contact with her family and forced to live in a really terrible level of poverty. 
And uh, the goal was to rid her of Eve-like defiance and cultivate absolute obedience so that she could bear children free of original sin. All right, first of all, good old boy Lucifer Morningstar taunted the shit out of Eve. He looked like one sexy, slithery snake, just all fucking lubed up, just slithering through the grass of the garden, like, that, my balls. I mean, the sample. That whole story is just so ridiculous. I, I just, I can't. So, I, I can't. It, it was a setup. It was a setup. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but so really quick, I was trying to remember the name, um, like with the, with uh, Hassan kid um, crashing his van and breaking out our... Uh, finally breaking and reaching out to his family. Mm -hmm. It's a shame that uh, Diane Benskader from last episode wasn't uh, there to kidnap him and save him. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Diane. (laughs) Keep up the good work. And actually, it gets even more depraved. The following was Moon's reasoning for the strange marriage rituals. So Moon told his followers that they could join his sin-free bloodline by marrying a spouse of his choosing. That's not how bloodlines work. I know. This is a (laughs) spiritual bloodline, Shelby. Spiritual. We're on the spiritual plane here. Okay. Um, So they'd have to marry a spouse of his choosing and engage in a series of rituals. So first, the newlyweds would beat each other with a bat. What the fuck? What the fuck? I have no idea the the purpose of that. But then, Take that bitch. Yeah. But I, I just hope that it was equal opportunity and they both got to beat each other. Well, yeah. They just said newlyweds would beat each other with a bat. Yeah. Oh, so wait. Was it one bat or did they both have a bat? That's what did I mean. I don't... Did you, All right. Did you get three share? hits. I get three hits. I feel like this was an exercise in sharing. Like... But but even better, after the bat beating, they would... <laughs> 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 so after they're all nice and bruised up, they would. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just keep picturing two Korean, or not even necessarily no, Korean. They had people of all. <laughs> anybody. Most of these people that I came across this information on were like white Americans. Rock'em sock'em moonies. Yeah. Okay, so after the beatings. <laughs> Can't. They would perform a three-day sex ceremony involving prescribed positions in front of Moon's portrait. Wait, what? Yes. Did they have their own Kama Sutra then? I have no idea. Weird. After the final sexual interlude in missionary position. Aw, that's lame. Right. Uh, Well, I mean, they were missionaries for Christ, so actually it makes sense in this case. Gotta follow the Moon Sutra. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So after this, uh, you know... A grand whatever in the Mex in the Mexican. Oh my god! <laughs> in the missionary position, the bride would bow down to the groom, a confirmation that they had restored the lost ideal of goodness. So the awful things don't even end with the strange marriages. Back in the 1970s, the church had funds pouring in from Japan, which the church regarded as the Eve Nation where young devotees persuaded elderly Japanese widows to liberate their ancestors from hell by purchasing grossly overpriced trinkets. Hey, Grandma, come here, check this shit out. Yeah. Right, so I got I got a little plastic. I don't even think plastic exists yet, but it's plastic. Korean <laughs> Jesus. You buy this, your dead husband's going to be absolved. 
This sounds. I feel like I feel like Moon took a page out of Catholic Church's ancient history book. You know where they were selling uh, indulgences. No, I I know very little about religion for oh. going to a Catholic school. Oh shit! All right. <laughs> hey, um, lady, come buy this plastic Jesus. Absolve your your dead husband of fifteen years of all of his sins. I know. I I'm going to look up later and see if they have images of what any of these trinkets were. It's like shove it up your ass and I mean I've sneeze seen, four times. I've <laughs> seen them in. Um, Chicago before, they'll hand out, like, roses or, you know, they want you to buy, like, these bracelets off of them. And no, oh, I'm not yeah, ta- I'm I, not talking about the Buddhist monks. <laughs> no, no, I, I had the, I, I don't think it was a Buddhist monk. Um, actually, it might have actually been a fucking Mooney when I was in Niagara are. Falls. I've seen them in Chicago. Um, well, no, this was in Niagara Falls. Uh, I was out there with my nephew, and we're on the Canada side. And a lady just comes up and starts talking to me. And I was like, oh, like, what's going on? And then she, like, shakes my hand. And in true plur spirit, like the whole rave thing, peace, love, unity, respect, that bullshit. Um, EDM hoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, She, so while we're shaking hands, she, like, held my hand in place and, like, slid a bracelet from her wrist to my wrist. Oh. And I was like, oh, thank you, free bracelet. (laughs) And then I go to, like, walk away. She, she almost grabbed me by the shirt. I was like, no, no, you have to pay. I was like, slip? No. Wow. <laughs> I don't watch your bracelet. Oh, so, obviously, this isn't just from selling the grossly overpriced trinkets. But by 1974, the U.S. Um, section of the Unification Church was raking in $8 million a year. So, remember... In 76, they bought the New Yorker for $5 million, mm-hmm. which was worth 22 and a half in today's money. Right. So that they're close to like $23, $24 million mm-hmm. in 74. Holy shit. Oh, also... Trump uh, got nothing on the Moonies. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that rich, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and Shelby, you mentioned earlier that uh, Moon's teenage son had died in a car accident. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit more to that story. Yeah, this is fucked up. Yeah, so since members of the church believed that you could not enter heaven without being married, and Moon's song Hyung had not been married at the time of his death, this presented Moon with a bit of an ideological dilemma. So he had another member's daughter marry his dead son in a bizarre wedding ceremony. Welcome to the Moonies. We're trying to normalize necrophilia. I'm just really hoping that this marriage ceremony was just considered a spiritual thing and that she didn't actually have to have sex with the dead body. Yeah, it, it was probably, like I said, just a blessing ceremony mm-hmm. and wasn't an actual wedding. But uh, yeah. you get in that grave. You marry my son now. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, like... Or I beat you with bat. <laughs> in the beginning of our researching, I, I was feeling a bit sorry for Moon, especially when I looked into his court case and, you know, his imprisonment. I mean, now, dude, even reading his book, like, obviously his, he's going to paint his autobiography in a very specific way. Right. But, like, everything I was finding to confirm what was in his book, you know, I definitely got biased in favor of the guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I found the CIA files. Yeah. After, <laughs> I know. After reading, like, the rest of the stuff, I'm just kind of disgusted. Um, 
you know, there's so much more that I could say. Moon was accused of numerous sexual infidelities, you know, his heavy-handed way of dealing with church members and so on and so forth. But if I kept going, we'd be here for days. Um, you know, this man is just such an enigma. You know, on one hand, we have someone who suffered severely throughout his youth and who was most likely unfairly dealt with by the American legal system at one point, you know, but he did remain, at least outwardly, hopeful, charitable, and with the best of intentions for humanity. Holy fuck. And, uh, I relate to Moon on a personal level. Oh, oh, do you know? Treat like beat the shit out of <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> Mistreated by the legal system. <laughs> and I still have good intentions for people. Oh god. <laughs> I, the the shit, my uh, I don't have a cool last name. The Shelba Knights. There we go. <laughs> you know, so we got we got the the good side of Moon, but then there's uh, the dark side of the moon. <laughs> so, you know. And, I mean, hey, there's two sides to every one. I know. And, you know, on the dark side, you know, we have someone who, by many accounts, was a complete megalomaniac with the utmost of God complexes, who treated his family horrendously, um, hoarded money, a la Jeff Bezos style, and forced his church members into lives which would seem to an outsider as unusually cruel. You know, I, I say forced because even though the members chose to join the cult, we know how intensely difficult it can be to disobey what the cult leader says due to the amount of brainwashing and gaslighting that the members experience. Well, and that just brings it full circle to that interview with uh, the Gulleries, you know, where they flat out said, you know, we've changed, the church has changed. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, like, like, like we've said a few times throughout the episode and within the past few minutes, there is a literal metric shit ton of other information uh, that was found, but unfortunately we can't get to. And this whole episode is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg. This man lived nothing short of a full life. But I think that about wraps it up for Sun Myung Moon and some tidbits on the Unification Church. Uh, I would like to thank everybody for joining us in a cursory overview of Sun Myung Moon and, like I said, the Unification Church, a.k.a. the Moonies. Uh, the research for this episode, uh, and even recording it now, has been nothing short of a wild ride. As I said, literal metric shit ton more that we could get into, but unfortunately can't at the moment because we were on a time constraint. And I don't know about Charlie, but I did not know there would be this much shit on the Moonies. No, <laughs> much I had no less idea. Moon himself. Um, if you are interested in reading more, all of the sources that we used in this episode will be in the description. So feel free to check that out down below. Other than that, unless you have anything to add, I think that about wraps it up. I think I've said all I can say at this point, or even want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.